kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night, upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. Amen. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall sting, bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to shew that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Brother Doug, would you please pray for us? is gone just from the singing. A lot of singing tonight, and every time I, my voice wears out, I think of that song, Sister Roxanne, you'll remember the one we and Sister Wilda and I would sing, where my voice will never tire and grow old. And I always think about that, where we're going to sing praises, and in heaven our voices don't get tired, they don't grow old. And I tell you what, but what a blessing. Out soul winning this afternoon, got to knock some doors, and of course, Mateo was my soul winning partner, and we haven't done that in a long time either. Many of you might know, but Brother Mateo came over from Countryside. He stood with me through all those things, and he's been faithful here, and I appreciate what God is doing through him. And of course, the most recent answer to prayer there uh, with his job situation. I, I, I'm sorry, if we're in Psalms, Psalms chapter 92, if you've got your Bibles open, hope that you are following along. It's a short psalm. Uh, but I'm just going to start off with a disclaimer. Now, Brother Pastor DeLello does not know this disclaimer, but I'm going to go ahead and be upfront. I don't like sneaky attacks. My point of this message is to get everybody to move to Florida, okay? So that's my, pet, my message, including your pastor. So I'm just going to be upfront. I'm not going to hold any uh, bars or pull any punches. That we're gonna, my goal is to get you to move to Florida, and I'm going to prove it to you from Scripture. If I could do that, I think everybody would just load up their U-Hauls 
and be in Scripture. A little joking, uh, uh, of course, in that statement. But we're going to look at this thought. The title of the message is, Be Like a Palm Tree. Now you see how Florida ties in. And we see this here, verse number 12. If you see in verse number 12, the Bible says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still be bringing forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourish. And I want to talk about this thought of being likened unto. Thank you. I appreciate it, Raymond. Uh, being likened unto a palm tree. Now, for those of you who are from Ohio, you may not know what a palm tree is, but they're everywhere in Florida. Therefore, to be in God's will you got to be in Florida to understand that passage. I mean, that's just my th philosophy there. In fact, you'll find palm trees all through the Bible. When you see uh, Jesus riding in uh, on the colt, what were they using to wave his welcome in? Anybody remember? Palm branches. And so how are you going to do that in Ohio? I just wondered that. If Jesus were to come back, how are you going to welcome him back? And then when you get to, in fact, in Revelation chapter 7, I alluded to this this morning. Let me read to you. It says in verse 9, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes. And can you guess what was in their hands? That means they came out of Florida, my friends. So if you want to be in heaven praising God, you better get to Florida or someplace that's got palm trees. But anyway, we see there's a significance in the Bible nonetheless, that there are palm trees, there are trees, and God likens a Christian who is doing his will as a palm tree. Or we'll see as a fig tree, or as a vineyard, or as some kind of a plant, or a garden, or a, a vineyard that he's hedged about, because God is expecting us to yield certain things. In fact, when you describe, when you see the, the temple being described in Ezekiel, you'll find, again, two palm trees standing there, and they make big significance of those palm trees. And so a lot of things in the Bible said about palm trees. But I just want to kind of give us four ways this evening that you and I can be likened unto that palm tree. Likened unto, uh, in fact, palm trees, I did a little study. I'm not the expert on it. But I did a little study because I thought, why does he say that we're going to be like that palm? We're going to be... Uh, uh, situated like that tree, and we're going to be like a palm tree of the cedars of Lebanon. Well, the palm tree is, is one of the unique trees. It grows up to 70-something feet. They live for centuries, really. They just live and live and live. And in fact, you'll see hurricanes go through Florida. That's something you don't know about. But uh, hurricanes will come through Florida, and the palm trees are still standing. Many of those palm trees can withstand a lot of wind. They've got a, the root system, the way they're built. And you know, serving God as a Christian, there's many battles that you're going to face. And it, it's a sad thing when you see someone go through a battle and then they're sitting on the sidelines saying, well, you don't know what I've been through. Well, that's okay. I don't know that there's any Christian that hasn't been through something. And it's amazing how many people will magnify how the problem that they've been through or the hardship that they had while serving God or they got hurt in church or their pastor didn't do them right or whatever the story may be. But, you know, it's always interesting. There's people with stories ten times greater doing big things for God. They just keep moving on. They're like a palm tree. They're like that tree planted that just won't move and it's still bringing forth and I want to give you a couple examples in the Bible of how to be like that palm tree. Back in Psalms 92, look at verse number 12 again. The Bible says, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Notice the context. The context is the goodness of God and all the things he's done. And then verse number 9, the enemies, O Lord, the enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. So it's a time of conflict. It's saying, God, you've been good, but the enemies, Lord, let me see victory over my enemies. But then you got this palm tree standing in the middle of this conflict. This palm tree that God points us to look at and says, that's what a Christian needs to be like, is likened unto a palm tree. So while everything else is in chaos, you're still standing planted firm. And so number one, in order to be like a tree, uh, according to the word of God, it's a real simple message here, but I think many people fail. The very first step. Are you ready? You might want to write it down. You need to be planted. You need to be planted. There, it's amazing to me how people don't want to put down roots. And I'm, talking, I'm not talking physical, worldly, get so tied up with this world. I'm talking spiritual roots. 
Nobody wants to get planted. Nobody wants to get committed. Nobody wants to be all in. But if you're going to be that one that's standing through thick and thin, you need to find a place and get planted. The Bible says, verse 13, those that be planted where? You see it, verse 13? In the house of the Lord. So we see we need to be planted. Turn, if you will, hold your spot there. Turn to Proverbs chapter 27. Look at verse number 8. Proverbs chapter 27. Look at verse number 8. We're talking about being planted somewhere. And by the way, that's not a very strange thought because there are people who get planted in many places. I know people who have a track record and they brag on it. They've never missed one season or one game of their team. Anybody know anybody like that? They're like the biggest fans. They get the fan tickets. Down in Florida, it's Disney passes. I know people who every year, they get their Disney pass. They've been on every Disney ride, every new Disney park or event or theme thing that opens up. They know about it. They have it all. And they're, they're planted. They're just planted in the wrong place. And so we need to be planted, planted in the house of the Lord. Look what Proverbs chapter 27, verse 8 says. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from where? From his place. You know, probably one of the most frustrating things as a pastor, and I'm sure Pastor DeLello probably could say the same thing, probably one of the most frustrating things about a pastor is just when you're about ready to use someone, they wander off. You ever notice that? You're like, all right. See, I believe it's, it's required, according to the Bible, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. The Bible then asks that rhetorical question, a faithful man, who can find? I mean, it's just like you think of a virtuous woman. We were talking Brother Ed, and he's found himself a virtuous woman. Praise God. But the Bible says, a virtuous woman. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. You know, when it comes to a godly woman, there's that rhetorical question, where is she? When it comes to a faithful man, the question is, where is he? Because it's up to you and I to be that one that plants ourselves and says, you know what? People may come and people may go. Churches may come. Churches may go. Pastors may come. Pastors may go. But I will serve the Lord. I'm planting myself. I, 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 it baffles my mind how many people get up on Sunday to decide if they're going to go to church. Like, I, I mean, we were raised, thank God I was raised in a godly home. And even though my sister Crystal was there, it was still a good home, and we had great memories and so forth there. But um, we, had, we were raised, there were seven of us. We were homeschooled. My dad was a first-generation Christian. He didn't know any better. He just got saved and started reading his Bible and started doing what he thought the Bible was teaching him. And, you know, he put my wife at home or my mom at home. He had us all raised, seven children, homeschooled. He was just doing all he knew how to do. And you know what? I, I'm glad for one thing. He planted us in church. I can remember many opportunities to not be in church. There was one time where Crystal and I, we won. Remember when we won the 5th, 6th St. Petersburg, Florida Science Fair uh, for the state? We were first place for the Science Fair of the state. We had gone to state. It was in Tampa or St. Petersburg. We had won, and they said, all right, great. They're going to be giving out the award. The mayor's going to be presenting it. It had the Einstein plaque. You're going to be in the paper, and it's Sunday morning. My dad said, well, you can count us out. Oh, oh, can you imagine? This? Oh, this is an achievement of your children. You're going to be in the paper. The mayor is going to be presenting it. It's going to be a wonderful time. It's going to be held in the such and such stadium. My dad said, well, we got something a little more important going on on Sundays. You know, that might have been, people might say, oh, that's a little extreme. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It, I remember in my heart that Sunday morning when I was in church, I was glad. I was, I mean, yeah, we could have been in a stadium somewhere, but we're in church. It instilled in me this zeal to be this no-quitter, plant myself, don't quit. And my dad would tell us several times, he'd say, son, the minute you stay home for work, for, for schoolwork or home, homework and skip church, you've just elevated school above church. I've learned some things. And so, you know, my dad planted our family. And you know what? I look out, all seven of us were in church somewhere serving God. All but my oldest sister, Crystal, turned out great. And we're doing great things for God. And you know, I wonder what happened. Maybe it was because the, the truth of this verse is those that be planted in the house of God shall flourish. Those are the ones that plant themselves. Those are the ones that will be flourishing later on in life. I don't know that there's 
many people that would look at a Christian family with a husband who loves his wife and the children all turn out. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't look at a family, a godly family, and say, you know what? I would like that to be my family. Well, it can be. But you've got to follow the same recipe, and that is plant yourself. So number one, you've got to be planted. What's the opposite of being planted? Well, how about this? The chaff which the wind driveth away. Tossed about with every wind of doctrine. You're just this butterfly just kind of floating around. You're just God's gift to every church. You're just God's blood. You just can't pick one because, you know, you're just going to bless everybody. Hey, how about you just plant yourself and say, you know, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. But you can do a lot with some faithful people who you just know they're going to be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. You just say, man, I know so-and-so. Hey, I need to lean on someone. I need someone to cover for me. I'm not, pastor's not feeling well. or He's over in Florida getting right with God and coming to move that way. I don't know what the story is. But he said, hey, I need someone to preach for me. You know what it's nice to know? Hey, I know so-and-so. He'll be there. I'll ask him. You know, there's nothing more frustrating than saying, well, if I ask so-and-so, then he'll show up. That's not how it works, is it? You know, there's a philosophy a lot of pastors have, and that is, well, if you give them responsibility, they'll then be faithful. They're faithful for the wrong reason. You know what? You ought to be first faithful. You ought to first plant yourself, whether God uses you or not. Because those are the ones that are flourishing, the Bible says, in old age. So how to be like a palm tree? Number one, be planted. The Bible says that we be no more henceforth children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive us. Number two, a simple, these, these are very simple, so don't miss them because they're so simple. Number one, be planted. Number two, you got to be positioned. Okay, we already talked about being planted. There's people planted in the wrong church. I, I talk to people all the time, and that frustrates me. They're, they're members of a church for 30 years. They're like, well, you know, I've just always gone there. I married there. I just can't leave. And it's a dead-as-a-doornail church. You're like, why are you going there? Well, you know, we've just always, hey, find where God, I want to just say, hey, where's God? That's how I start off. Where's God? I don't look at climate. I don't look at weather. I don't look at uh, placement on the map. I say, where's God? Because that's where I want to be. I want to be planted and positioned by the word of God, by the blessings of God. Notice they say, those that be planted in the house of the Lord. Now, it's, it, people oftentimes will say, you know, it's just a coincidence. You know, Pastor Boyle, you just had, a, you just had a, 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 a lot of luck, they'll say. I don't believe in luck. Anybody here believe in luck? You know, well, Pastor, you made it to Romania, and you just got lucky. You just happened to have a really good, thriving ministry. You must have got a good group of people. And then we, what we go, we land in Ohio. Well, you just got lucky. You just had a good group of people. Then we land up in Orlando. Like, man, you just got lucky. I'm like, man, with all this luck, I'm ready to play the lottery or something. Come on now. I, I, it's not luck. You know what it is? It's when you're planted in the house of the Lord, that's when you're going to flourish. So number one, be planted. Number two, be positioned. Where are you planted? You know, there's some people who are planted with work. Now, how many of you believe you ought to work? My hand's up. If you don't work, you're not supposed to eat. And I understand there's times when you have to work. Boy, there's nothing worse than a lazy man who won't provide for his own. But can I tell you something? There's people, they're called workaholics. They just work and work and work and work. And you know what they don't have time for? God. You won't find in the Bible that guy who's planted on his job that's going to be flourishing in his old age. You don't find that. You don't find those that are planted in their career or in their hobby or in whatever it is that they enjoy doing. You don't find those that are planted. You don't find them flourishing. You find those that are planted in the house of God. You've got to be positioned. Now, let me show you if you'll turn to Joel chapter number 1. Turn to Joel chapter number 1. And I want to show you a passage in the Bible where the tree that God had planted wasn't positioned right, and it began to dry up. It began to get all dried up. Joel chapter number 1, look at verse number 10. The Bible says in Joel chapter 1 verse 10, The field is wasted, the land mourneth, for the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, the oil languisheth. Be ye ashamed, O ye husbandmen, howl, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. Notice what's wrong. The vine is dried up, and the fig tree languisheth, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also. 
So in Joel, he says, man, I've planted the tree. Great, that's step one. But where is it positioned? Are you planted in the right place? Are you where you need to be? Are you being fed? Are you given doctrine? Are you growing in the word of God? Are you actively serving God? Because you could be planted and die. And by the way, let me say this. If you're in my yard and I plant, and it's a plant, it's dying. I don't know how to grow anything, okay? Animals die when they're around. If you, if you let me set for one of your animals, whether it's a cat, I don't care what it is. Oh, no, you can't hurt. It dies. I don't know what it is. Thank God I'm, I haven't had that problem with children, amen. But when it's plants or animals, I either water them too much or not water them enough. I forget about them. I overfeed them. I mean, I just have a bad way of, of taking care of things. But can I tell you something? If you're planted in the house of God, you're not going to go wrong. How, you really think you're going to get to heaven and God's going to say, you took it a little too seriously. See, this would have been your reward. See, I was going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, but you were this diehard, never quitter. I mean, you took it too far. You know what? Take a back seat. You really think that's going to happen? You know what? We're all, we're all, if we're all honest with ourselves, we're all going to say, we're all going to wish we did more. That's if we're honest with ourselves. And by the way, that's the same way I feel about my King James Bible. Do I really think I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to say, Pastor Boyle, you believed my word way too much. You took every promise I made literally. This would have been your reward, but man, you know you, you took it and you believed everything. So I tell you what, let's go sit down. I don't think we're going to get scolded for too much faith. I don't think we're going to get scolded for believing every promise that he's made. I don't think we're going to get scolded for doing too much for God. There's just, you won't find that anywhere. And so we see this palm tree that God says, I want you to be a palm tree. I want you to be planted, but be careful where you plant yourself. Man, you, doesn't the Bible say, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt what? Good manners. So you plant yourself around negative people, guess what you're going to become? Negative. Man, I tell you what. I don't want to be around negative people. And I, it's, I, it's a battle to not be a negative church. Because I look out there and I tell you, it's disgusting what's out there in those churches. And those of you who've, who've, who've stumbled upon Friendship Baptist Church, you're like, man, a breath of fresh air. But I tell you what, you have to go through a lot before you find something like this. And they're few and far between. But I tell you what, you know, you go in there and it's just like they're this, it's like they, they eat a bunch of prunes before they start their service. And nobody's right. They're the only one that's right. And that church down the road did them wrong. And that church down the road did them wrong. And we're the only one. It's like, wow, who wants to hear that? You know what? Everybody's had problems. Everybody's been mistreated. Everybody's had someone do something to them that wasn't right. Just move on. Serve God. Do what's right. Get planted and be positioned by the word of God. The Bible says in Joel that the tree was the palm tree was dried up. Now, if you will, jump to Joel chapter 1, verse number 2. Verse number 2. He says, Hear this, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and the children another generation, that which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left, the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, Hath the caterpillar eaten? Awake, ye drunkards, and weep, and howl, all ye uh, drinkers of wine. Because of the new wine, it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation is come upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are as a teeth of a lion, and he hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine waste, and barked my fig tree, and hath made it clean, bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. That's leading up to where we were in verse number 10, where he says the vine is dried up and the palm tree also. You say, what happened? Well, he's explaining what happened. He said a little palmer worm came in. A little palmer worm. You ever see a little inchworm? Like, oh, it's cute. How much can an inchworm eat? He's not going to destroy my tree. And then he says, that which the palmer worm hath left, Canker worm hath come in and eat. So here comes the next little insect coming in. And you're like, oh, hey, just a few leaves, just a little bit. What's it going to hurt? Can I tell you what's being described here is compromise. 
where all of a sudden you let a little worldliness come in. You let a little, little bad doctrine come in. You let a little contemporary thinking come in. And next thing you know, the whole tree's dried up. And notice, by the way, the world will not stop until that tree is not just dead, but barked clean off, white and bare. Now, when I read that, I think of like a tree. No leaves, no bark, just this stump of a tree, just white, bare, dying tree. That's what the Bible says the world will do, and they're not happy until they get it all. So, by the way, when the world starts coming in with the homosexual movement, or they start coming in with all these uh, filthy, wicked things, a lot of times people say, hey, what's the big deal? You know, let them use the word marriage. We don't care about that. Well, you think that as soon as they get the word marriage, you think they're done? No, they're not done. That's just one worm who's eaten to his satisfaction, and then here comes the next worm, and here comes the next worm, until you and I are no longer part of society. That's their goal. Rid themselves of Bible-believing Christians. And by the way, we're labeled in Orlando, we're labeled on however site that they label hate groups. Revival Baptist Church is labeled a hate group. You know what? I almost want to put that on my reasons to visit Revival Baptist Church. Like, hey, they call us a hate group because we preach the word of God. I remember when we had our Make America Straight Again rally. I mean, I was surprised that the media was surprised there was a church who thought homosexuality was wrong. I had cameras in my face. Are you sure? Do you mean those statements? I'm like, I'm like why are you passing all these churches to come ask me? We believe the Bible. How is that a news flash that a pastor believes homosexuality is wrong? But can I tell you why? Because there's worms in the churches eating the leaves, and now all of a sudden pastors aren't preaching hard anymore. And when you get one that, that it, to me, come on, preaching against homosexuality is not a hard stand. I mean, if you can't preach against, you, you might feel brave preaching against it, but there's a lot of other wicked things we ought to be preaching against. That's just like the clearest, most vile there is out there. And the world is shocked at that because churches are no longer preaching the way they used to preach. I remember when shacking up was preached against. Amen. I remember when people would get kicked out of church over it. Now it's like, well, we get a tax break if we live together. You know, thank God for the example that Ed and Roxanne gave to make sure they, all the way to their wedding day, they said, hey, we want to do it right. You know, that's, that's rare. That's rare. But I, that used to preach. Not anymore. I mean, relations outside of marriage used to be preached against. Not anymore. Man, I tell you, it's amazing how far that we've drifted, but it's that worm eating away at that tree until there's nothing left. You know what we want to be? I want to be a tree that while everybody else is just falling over and rotten, I want to be a tree that's bringing forth fruit in his old age. That's what the Bible's describing. In our text in Psalms 92, he's saying, while enemies are attacking, there's this palm tree sitting out there in the middle of nowhere, and everybody's attacking it, but it's bringing forth fruit even in its old age. It's an old palm tree still bringing forth fruit. Why? Because it is planted, number two, because of where it is positioned. And an example of a bad position would be that of Lot. Wouldn't he be a perfect example of someone who pitched his tent too close to Sodom and Gomorrah? And all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's vexing his righteous soul with their wicked deeds. The Bible didn't say he was committing these things. The Bible says, in seeing and hearing their wicked deeds, he vexed his righteous soul from day to day. You know what? When I read that, I think of one thing television watching their wicked deeds you say oh you know i'm against fornication i'm against relations outside of marriage i'm against you know all these things that are out there these wickedness but yet every night you have them in your home and you're watching them fornication drinking swearing in your home you know what that is that's a worm it's eating away you want to be a tree. See, think about, remember we were talking about thinking about the end, laying it to heart. Let's think about how are we going to be this tree that when we're in old age, looking back, that we'd be fat and flourishing and giving glory to God. Here's how you do it. You plant yourself. Don't be wandering around. Don't be one of these hoppers. You know, there's just no, no good church out there. You know, here's the thing. There's been people, and I've met people, who, you know, they're going to actually, there's no good church around. They just, they criticize every pastor that's out there. And they finally, they move state lines to go to this church that they think is going to be the one for them. And guess what? 
can you just kind of predict what's how it's going to be? They're not happy there either. Because what they're finding is they're looking for something that doesn't exist. But can I tell you, you just need to find your church and get planted in it, get positioned in the right place. And then number three, here's another way you can be a palm tree or likened unto a palm tree. You must be producing. Think about that. Planted, positioned, producing. What do you mean by producing? How about bearing fruit? Turn, if you will, to Psalms 92. Look back at verse 14. Look at verse number 14. Here's the fruit of someone who's planted like a palm tree, who's positioned by that brook of water. I mean, like we see in Psalms 1, in Psalms 1 where we see that being planted by the rivers of water. Now look what happens. Verse 14, they, who? Those that are planted, that are unmovable, always abounding, those that are positioned right. He says, they shall, notice the next word, still bring. That means they've been producing fruit all this time. So he says, when they're old, they're going to still be producing fruit. Watch. In old age, they shall be fat and flourishing. Now, I, if, if we could look at each Christian as a, a palm tree, and we think, you know, when it, in 10 years from now, there's going to be some that are dried up. They're going to be fallen over. There's going to be some that are used for firewood. There's going to be some that are just, you know, yeah, there used to be an old giant oak tree there. I wonder what happened to it. Lightning struck it, fell over dead, dried up, too far away from the water. You know, if you think of like, I want to be in 10 years or 20 years, if we have that much time, I want to be a tree that when you say, I wonder where Pastor Boyle is. I want to be this old, feeble man, you know, walking around with a cane, kind of propping up behind a pulpit. And I want to be there in 20, 30, 40 years, however much time you got to get. I want to be that guy that's still preaching the same thing. I don't want to change. I want to be still bringing forth fruit. You say, well, how do you make sure? Well, you got to be planted today. People have a hard time understanding this. I'm in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Thursdays now. Not because I'm a pastor. People, people oftentimes think, well, you know, you're the pastor, therefore that's why. Well, no, remember God says it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We were faithful long before God ever put us in the ministry. And I, I, I would like to think and I would pray that if anything ever happened and I wasn't able to pastor, you'd still find me faithful to church. You know, it's amazing to me how many pastors would come through, especially in Orlando with all the tourists and so forth and they'll come through they're pastors on vacation and they're like yeah we'll come for one of the services what are you going to do well we're on vacation now imagine that same pastor preaching to their church hey be in church sunday morning be in church wednesday night be in church all and then they actually go and live a different life and then it gets worse my friend it actually gets worse there are retired pastors who moved to florida Retire. I mean, they spent their whole career or whole ministry pastoring. That's all they did. 30-year pastors, 40-year pastors. They show up once a week. If that. You know, I don't want to be that preacher. I don't want to be the preacher who's preaching. As long as there's a paycheck coming, I'll be faithful. It's like a job. Well, you know, I'll clock in. I'll be there Sunday morning. I'll be there Sunday night. I'll be there Wednesday night. Paycheck stops. Then I can just kind of be free and do whatever I want. No, that's a hireling, my friend. And a hireling is worthless to God. God wants someone who says, hey, the church can't pay me. That's okay. There's no funds. That's okay. There's no, there's no benefit to me. That's okay. Nobody else shows up. That's okay. My family will be in church. I'll preach a message if it's even just my family. You know, I've, I've said that multiple times, but... I've never had a service in my life where it was just me and my family. You know what I found? There's other people who are just like me. There's other crazy people who plant themselves in the house of God. I would say Sunday night, on a night like this, you guys are a bunch of crazy people. Fundamentalists who've planted themselves in the house of God. You know what? You're the ones, according to the word of God, that when we're old, you're going to still be bringing forth fruit. You're going to be still bringing forth fruit. You've got to be producing fruit. You know, the Bible says, John 15, 8, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. God's not interested in this that we bear fruit. He wants us to bear much fruit. Well, what if much fruit means a lifetime of serving God? You know, I don't know what it's going to be like for my family, but I'm going to probably be one of those grandpas 
who just spoil my grandkids. I'm just, I already, cause I'm going to be the one crying at the piano recital. That's my grandkid. I'm, I already know how it's going to be. I can see myself. And you know what? I want to be able to have a family reunion when my, I've got seven kids who they all marry. That's 14. If they all have seven kids, you do the math. I mean, can you imagine Thanksgiving dinner? Right now, the Boyle side of the family, we're going to have family reunion. There's going to be 40-something, maybe 50 people show up, all saved, all serving God, all soul winners, all love God, all spread out. And then can you imagine that just keeps growing and keep growing? I don't want to be the one that breaks that link. And all of a sudden, I'm old, and I'm thinking, where did my teenagers go? What happened? They married these, these, these uh, ungodly spouses, and now they're not in church, or now they attend casually. I mean, I've, you've been out soul winning. I've been out soul winning. We've met people who say, oh, yeah, my dad was a pastor. And you're like, what? Or my, my, my grandfather was a pastor. And you think, what happened? You know, if you want to be that one that's still producing fruit in your old age, that one that's got the grandkids around the supper table and the kids around the supper table, and you can sit there and you got that blessed uh, 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 picture, a beautiful portrait of a family, here's how it is. got to be planted today, and you've got to be positioned today, and you need to be producing fruit today. Because that's when you'll still be. It's not, well, if you do all these things, then in 50 years you'll have fruit. No, he says you'll still be producing fruit in your old age. So some of you, we've got all the way from 16, we've got some young men in here do, serving God and, and some younger serving God, some older. You know what? Here's the, here's the advice. Do what you're doing. Don't quit. Just be faithful. Don't quit. You say, well, you know, I'd like a wife. I'd like a family. I'd like these things. Hey, do what you Get planted. Get positioned. And you watch the blessings of God. You're going to look back one day and say, wow, I never thought God would be this good. Anybody in here want to say, I mean, the psalmist started off in 92, how good he's been. Anybody feel sometimes you're just blessed beyond measure? Man, I tell you what, I look around, and, and I know that I'm not perfect. I know I've made mistakes, and I still make mistakes. <laughs> and you made mistakes by having me preach, amen. <laughs> but, you know, when I look back and I think, man, I'm blessed. If you could see the dinner table at our house, we have four teenagers, four teenagers, five coming, and people are often like, oh, man, how do you do it? You know, they're, they're hearing doors slamming and kids screaming, and that's my toy, and that you, man, I tell you what, you walk in our house, and you're like, where is, where is everybody? Oh, they're over there playing with each other. They're over there climbing a tree. They're over here sitting around playing a board game. What, how did you do it? Well, can I tell you, it started when they were two years old and younger, you know where they were when they were two years old? They were lined up on a church pew just like this. And if they misbehaved, it was, hey, we're in church. Hey, we're in church. We'd, we'd have them line. We had them five. It, we had five kids all in car seats at the same time. I mean, we lined them up. We'd come in. We were like lined up. We'd sit down. People were like, oh, no, we don't want to sit with them. Can I tell you? Our kids weren't perfect, but we were trying to get the fruit right in its young years. And we said, you know what? Let's train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he should not depart from it. And you know what? We, do, we did our best. And, you know, as we begin to see them turn into teenagers, and Lord willing, well, my oldest just turned 18, a young man, and we begin to see them get older. You know what I want to see? I want to keep that fruit going. I don't want to, I don't, I'm not going to settle for losing any of my kids. That's not, that's, well, you know, we try. No. I want to, I want to see the blessings of God. Here's how you do it. You get planted today. You get positioned today. Make sure where you're planted is where God wants you. And then you begin producing fruit. Turn, if you will, to Micah chapter number 7. Micah chapter number 7. This is God speaking in Micah chapter number 7. Look at verse number 1. He says, woe is me. And there's an explanation for it. Point. You know what that means? Woe is me! Why? He says, for I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits and as the grape gleanings of the vintage, there is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe fruit. God says, I wanted fruit. Woe to me. I went to go gather fruit and it wasn't there. Man, you know, and when I read that, I get under conviction. I imagine standing before the judgment seat of Christ and God saying, all right, Pastor Boyle, what would you do for me? Uh, did you see my car? It was awesome. I desired fruit. 
I made it to CEO of whatever company. But I desired fruit. My yard, man, it had no weeds. It was edged. My house is spotless. I, I desired fruit. You know, when he calls us home, the harvest is ended, the Bible says, when we're all standing before God. Why does he call it a harvest? Because he's wanting us to be reaping fruit. And when we finally stand before him, he's looking to see, where's my fruit? What have you produced? Were you positioned right? Were you planted like you should be? Were you producing the fruit? If not, why? Where is it? I've desired the first ripe fruit. Turn now, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 5. And we can't exhaust every passage of Scripture talking about being planted as a plant or a vine or a tree. But I, I think we gather the point that God has pictured a Christian like that tree planted by the rivers of water. Like Psalms where he says, you know, blessed are uh, they that, uh, that, what is, I've already messed it up. Blessed is, that walketh not. There we go. In the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornfuls. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree, what? Planted where? By the rivers of water. So you got that position. You know, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the what? Chaff which the wind driveth away. They're not planted. They're not positioned, and their leaf withers. They're just a dried up brumble bush just being blown around, and they can never seem to find a place to land. Isaiah 5, verse number 1. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. He had fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein and looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. You know, God, that's a pretty powerful question when God says, what more could I have done for you to get fruit? What more could I have done and how more could I have blessed you? What did I need to do further? I gave you the choices fine. I fenced it. I put that hedge of protection. I gathered out all the stones. I put the tower in the midst. And when I looked for fruit, there was no fruit. I want to be a palm tree. I'm not guaranteed that I'll be that guy in my old age if I don't stay planted. And I want to be planted. I don't want to take a vacation from God. I don't want to take a break. And by the way, there was a big test of whether you should be planted or not with this COVID thing. Here it shows up again. Amen. He said, I feel like he's preaching at me. Maybe I am. Amen. Because when you can find a reason to not be planted by the house of God, you know what's at stake? It's not today that's at stake. And it's not tomorrow that it's at stake. It's the old age. All of a sudden now, all of a sudden, it's okay. You, you only have to go to church unless you have underlining circumstances. Unless there's reasons, compelling reasons, that, you know, we all can vote on to decide whether we could forsake these. How about the diehards that, you know what, I'm going to serve God, even if it means they put us in a jail cell, we're going to have church service in a jail cell. I mean, I, I think of these pastors, some of them, many of them in California, that are, you, know, you can't sing. Man, thank God for the song service we had tonight. Now, I can't imagine being commanded by any government official not to sing. How are they going to stop you from singing? Because I can sing in the police car. I can sing in the jail cell. I can sing. They're going to have to muzzle me, and I'm still going to hum. I'm going to be tapping the jail bars and hum. You're not going to take the song out of my heart because I'm not singing for man. I'm not singing for glory. I'm singing praises to God. And if we won't praise his name, the rocks and hills will cry out, the Bible says. I don't want a rock taking my place. Let's just be planted. Let's just be this unmoved. Be so predictable that when the government, like Daniel, when the government says, you are not allowed to go to church anymore. They're just going to know, well, we better show up at friendship because they're not going to listen. That's a good reputation to have because they did the same thing with Daniel when they said, hey, Daniel's going to violate this. You watch it. Now, is Daniel a good guy in the Bible or a bad guy? Is God lifting Daniel up as an example or a bad example? A good example. And here's the difference between Daniel and us today. Ready? Daniel, when he broke the law, he knew that the king himself couldn't even change that law. 
The king could not. Once it was signed by the king, there was nothing the king could have done to have changed it. Daniel had a 100% chance of being thrown into the lion's den, and he still broke that law. You have a 99.96% chance of, diet, of, of recovering from the COVID virus, and we all stop serving God. Man, something's wrong when we have reasons not to plant ourselves. Something's wrong when we have reasons not to position ourselves. What is at stake? I'll tell you what's at stake. When God comes looking for fruit, he's not going to find any. Because if you're like me, and oh, I think a lot of flesh, our flesh is the same, you skip one time, it's a whole lot easier to skip another time, isn't it? You see those new converts come in, and they're on fire, and they show up Sunday morning, and they show up Sunday night, and they show up Wednesday night, and they show up Sunday morning, and they show up Sunday night, and they show up Wednesday night, and they show up, and they show up, and they show up, and then one day, they miss. It's almost like, oh, now we know the rest. And next thing you know, it's... They're hitting, or they're missing more than they're hitting. It's just human nature. So you know what you say? Lord, help me not to miss one time. Lord, help me to be faithful. Help me to put you for seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I mean, we'll be bearing fruit. The Bible says he looked for. What more could he have done? Well, I tell you, there was nothing more he could have done. His vineyard, his vine, his palm tree was not planted like it should be. Go back to Psalms 92 and we're done. How to be that palm tree. Number one, move to Florida. No, I'm just teasing. Number one, be planted. Jump in, be in 100%. You know, one, that's one thing that I appreciate about my wife. She's a follower. When I said we're going to Romania, I didn't, I mean, I didn't ask her. I said, hey, we're going to Romania. You know what she said? I'm following. We were in Romania for eight years, and I said, hey, honey, God's leading me back to the state. She said, how much time do I have? Man, what a blessing. Then it came time when we were going to Florida. We're going to go to Florida for two weeks. We never left. You know, thank God. You know, she's like, wherever my husband leads, that's where I'm going to go. That's right. You know, she's been right beside me through all these things. When I said, hey, I'm going to go visit Tim, she's like, do we have to? No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Be planted. Be planted. Psalms 92, the Bible says, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Verse number 14. My last is you be planted, be positioned, be producing, producing fruit in your old age. But then lastly, you got to be prepared. You say, what do you mean? Well, he says they'll still be bringing forth fruit in their age. It means there's obstacles coming. Because even in Psalms 92, there's enemies prevailing and he's asking God to bless and deliver him. But he says those that have planted and positioned and, produ and producing and prepared, they're the ones that are still bringing forth fruit. Okay, we've seen in my ministry, I've seen people come and go. I'll say this, in 2020, I've seen people come and go. And I mean people who are like, I'll go through tribulation for God. I'm telling you that 2019, they were ready to die on the battlefield if the tribulation were to start. But how many of you understand, when the tribulation starts, it's not like the tribulation has started. All right, let's go. Let's go battle. No, no, no. It's not how it starts. I mean, isn't that how it is with false religion? It's not a sign over the door. False religion. Corrupted Bible. They're small things. It sneaks in. It's that worm eating that leaf until what's left? Nothing's left. And can I tell you, if we failed in 2020 to be faithful... What makes you think when the tribulation starts, our faithfulness will kick in? What makes you think all of a sudden, oh, oh I'm going to start bearing fruit now. You didn't bear fruit today. You weren't prepared today. It kind of reminds me, and we ought to be careful when we scold Christians because Peter did the same thing. Lord, I'll die for you. And he says, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. Never! Can you imagine how Peter felt like, oh, as he hears that rooster crowing? You know what we ought to do? If we find ourselves sitting on the sidelines when we thought we'd never be on the sidelines, we got to get planted back. Humble ourselves and say, you know what? I've, I failed this test, but I know more tests are coming. I want to be prepared for the work that's set before me. Because the Bible says in Daniel, those that do know their God are the ones that do great exploits. So the ones that are going to be doing great exploits are the ones who are suffering and serving him now. 
Don't think when the tribulation comes. If you're, let me just say this. If you're not soul winning now, when it becomes illegal, you're not going to be a soul winner. Okay? When, if you're not faithful to the house of God now, when tribulation comes and they start persecuting the church, you're not all of a sudden getting a, a star for attendance when you weren't faithful before. It's those that are faithful now that are preparing themselves, saying, hey, it's easy today, but it's going to get harder tomorrow, and it's going to get harder. I want to be prepared. I want to be faithful unto the end. Bible says, wherefore, that him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he so as we evaluate our Christian life this evening, are you a palm tree? Well, let me restate, restate that. You are a palm tree. How's your root system? The winds are coming. You're part of Friendship Baptist Church. You're going to have some storms coming. That's just part of being a Baptist church in this crooked world. Storms are coming. We've had storms at Revival Baptist Church. You know what we found? We found some Christians that just can't fall over. Christians that just won't leave. Christians that planted themselves and say, Hey, preacher, I'm with you. Preacher, you can count on me. Preacher, I'm not going anywhere. Preacher, we're going so many. And you know what we found? We found that when the winds of Corona were blowing the hardest, our soul winning numbers of salvation doubled. People were getting saved left and right while in that same church... There were Christians who never left their basement, never served God for six, eight months, and then surprise, surprise, they're still not back. Isn't that sad? It's almost predictable. It's like, you think you're just going to come back and be faithful again all of a sudden? Just, whoop, switch. Not, it's how Satan works. Well, no, no, just a break. You don't have to always be planted. Not by the rivers of water, just as long as you're within sight of the rivers of water. Oh, no, get as close as you can to God, and you plant there, and you'll be the one that when our old age, and we're looking back, you'll be saying, man, I'm thankful for what I did for God. I'm thankful for the blessings of God. And I sit here today, I know I'm only in my 40s, but I sit here today, and I look and I say, I don't deserve the blessings I have today. But I'm not guaranteed them tomorrow if I change the directions if I change the instructions, if I alter that recipe, boy, I tell you what, I don't want to see that. And I, I challenge you this evening, you can have that same thing. Whether you're a young single person, whether you're married, whether you're elderly, whether wherever age group, whether you're a child, you know what, you can have that if you'll get planted today and say, you know what, I'm going to be faithful. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm serving God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be that palm tree planted Lord, that we would not waver. We would not be taking up root and moving around with every wind of doctrine. Lord, that we would not be like that chaff which the wind driveth away. God, I pray that you'd help us, that you'd help us to be positioned, help us to be planted, help us to be producing. And Lord, that we'd be prepared for the winds that are for sure undoubtedly coming, that it wouldn't take us by surprise. But Lord, that we'd face those winds of adversity and come forth shining for you. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.